Welcome. This is the first of four special edition episodes for the first season of Fundraising Projects podcast. We're going to be uh, talking about different revenue streams, how to create a recurring revenue stream for your nonprofit or even as a third party fundraiser. Plus, we're going to talk extensively about um, Travis's history as a nonprofit architect. He has raised over $500,000 for charity, donated $30,000 personally, and has helped start six nonprofits as uh, an event coordinator. And he is a published author. So, we're going to be talking about different ways of fundraising, new and exciting ways that you can create a recurring revenue stream on a subscription basis, and how podcasting can also help you as a fundraiser get your voice heard by thousands of people. Hey, thanks for having me here, Chris. Yeah, there's a lot to cover just in, in covering my own history. So, I've been running the Nonprofit Architect podcast for not quite two years. I think next month it will be two years, but we shot up straight to the top of the charge, top five in five countries. If I've got all my stats correct, uh, including the U.S. and Canada, so not just not just those random little countries around the world that someone listens to five episodes and all of a sudden on the top of the charge, actual, you know, real legit podcasting countries like the U.S. and Canada. But we also have the Nonprofit Podcast Network, the Veteran Podcast Network. I'm actually hosting the first annual Veteran Podcast Awards on October 5th, which is just the coolest, put together by my buddy Shane Cunningham, who hosts Broken Jarhead Podcast. But I have a few years in the nonprofit world myself, been on the board of two great nonprofits, did a lot of fundraising and you know, eclipsed half a million bucks in just two years with almost no prior experience and also helped start up another half dozen or so other nonprofits and really looking into starting a foundation that's going to have quite the impact and the shakeup for the veteran world. So exciting things coming, Chris. Yeah. So are you a veteran? Uh, Not technically. By the technical definition, I'm still active duty Navy. I've got 21 years of service. I'm My retirement's been approved for March 1st, 2022, which is exciting. So on March 2nd, I'll technically be a veteran, but uh, currently active duty and serving. I did 11 years as an enlisted naval man, and now I am at nearly 10 years commission service. Exciting stuff. And and why did you start the pod? Why did you get into the nonprofit space and then in the podcasting space? Well, the nonprofit space is really from my childhood. Moving around so many times, it was 36 moves, 12 schools, six states, five foster homes, and surviving two murder attempts before graduating high school at 17. And if it wasn't for individuals and churches and nonprofits helping keep us sheltered, clothed, and fed, there's no way I would have had a chance growing up. So once I got into the place and the mindset where I was no longer in scarcity, I was like, how am I going to give back? How am I going to be a part of the community? What can I do to help the helpers? Mm-hmm. And I showed up at a networking meeting with a positive attitude, ready to contribute. And soon after, I got published in my first book, seemingly out of nowhere. Luckily, I had this story just on the tip of my tongue, waiting for the, the keyboard to come in front of me to write that story. But... You know, started in the nonprofit world. I got stationed over in the Kingdom of Bahrain. If you're on the video here, you can see this little crazy island-shaped 
I don't know, dagger looking thing on my wall. That's the Highland of Bahrain, which is in the Persian Gulf. And I got stationed over there and I'm like, how am I supposed to keep doing all this great nonprofit stuff? And someone like, Travis, you're really having this nice, smooth, buttery voice. And I was like, oh, do I? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, you should start a podcast. And I wasn't really sure what to do. I looked up, I did a little research. I looked up in the nonprofit world and see who's at the top of the charts and what they were covering. And really wanted to focus on what they were missing because although I had a little bit of experience, Mm -hmm. I didn't know everything. So I wanted to create a how-to show for nonprofits. And I think we're now the premier how-to show. Every episode is a no kidding detailed list of how to do the thing. Mm Because in the nonprofit world, it's almost like you're just on go all the time. It almost seems like there's no time for training, especially if you're in a smaller organization. So if you have my podcast, the Nonprofit Architect Podcast on in the background, you're at least learning a little bit about the industry that you're trying to make an impact in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably a great place for me to start is to start listening to your podcast and go, okay, these these are the questions that I really need to to ask. And these are the new new things that I need to learn. so maybe that's that's where I should have started before I even jumped into this. But I'm glad I could ha- have you on the podcast <laughs> and be the first one. Well, this is this is perfect because you get to interview the experts about the thing that they're known for. It's like having a free masterclass and access to ask them wherever you want. So it's one of my favorite reasons for podcasting myself. Mm-hmm. Asking, yeah, and I've had other guests say you get to ask direct questions to experts. For for free, <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, unless you want to charge me after this, <laughs> um, you'll, you'll get a bill. <laughs> so um, b- before we actually press record on this, you were talking about your download numbers, and um, can you can you share what kind of numbers you're seeing on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm getting <clears throat> per episode at least 150. Somewhere between 1,500 and 2,500 a month uh, actual download numbers. Now, the thing about download numbers is it's kind of screwy because it doesn't cover everything, mm. right? It doesn't capture my YouTube numbers. My YouTube numbers aren't that great. I actually have only had my YouTube channel up for like two months. I've got 1,100 views there. Where I've got the most downloads, hundreds of thousands of downloads, is actually on Facebook. Mm. So it's hard to say exactly like, yeah, my rankings come from the download numbers, but really they only come from one of the 50 channels I'm on. It only comes from Apple Podcasts. If I compare and contrast and I pay a little bit extra and I can see all the behind the scenes and chartable, it shows me where I'm ranking based on what system I'm on. Mm-hmm. But just the minuscule downloads I have on Apple Podcasts put me in the top five and five countries, which is nuts. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because if you would add in like my Facebook downloads... I'm easily number one by 10 miles. But who the heck knows? I don't know everything. Yeah. And this, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, they have Facebook downloads too. I don't know. So so tr- going back, because I know we want to talk about fundraising and uh, not... Well, maybe we do want to talk about podcasting, if that is the right way to go about it. If, you, if you're starting a fundraising campaign or you want to raise money, it, do you think it's best to get on podcasts? And show you I tell you what, I am a huge fan of podcasting for obvious reasons, but not always for the reasons you may think. First off, I definitely believe that every single nonprofit out there needs their own podcast. I really say need as a need. It covers a lot of things. First off, 
you know, when you're trying to do everything, especially in a startup, you've got so many things to do. And you're like, Travis, I don't have time for a podcast also. But what could podcasting do for you as an organization to actually take work off of your plate? And people like, no, no, it puts work on your plate. Mm, It doesn't have to. If you don't spend any time editing, if you just go live and go straight to publishing, you save all that extra work of editing and fine-tuning it and making it sound wonderful. So if you have the right equipment up front and the right space to podcast in, largely you don't have to edit. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you're talking about, there's already experts in the field that are doing similar things to what you're doing and you can bring them on as guests. So you don't have to have any of the answers. You just ask all the questions, just like Chris is doing to me now, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for any of these answers. I'm just going to ask the questions. Travis, it's your job to do all the work. And then you're trying to run social media and engage. And how do you know what to do first? Well, if you're doing an interview podcast and you ask five questions, now you have a question and an answer that you can put into an audiogram using a free program like Headliner to create all your content for the week. So you've already created it with the interview. You're just repurposing little mm-hmm. chunks of it. And now you don't have to figure out what it is that you're going to post every day. Right? You've, you've, you've like, oh, I'm going to post. Today's Wednesday. Today's Thursday. What am I going to get out there? I have yeah. no idea. You don't have to do any of that. If you've had an interview, you just take the little chunk out. You put it on an audiogram. You hit post. You can do this all in the same day because you can schedule out your posts. And then you don't have to figure out what the heck you're going to post all week. You've already got that done for you. Being a nonprofit and hosting a podcast is fabulous because you can interview people in your area like, I don't know, the mayor, the city planner, other organizations, the senators, your representatives at the state and federal level. You can interview the governor. The beautiful thing about it is you get them on record supporting your cause, A, which is huge, right? You can use that in all your promo material from here to kingdom come. B, when your particular cause comes up in the state legislature or whatever it may be, comes up on the city ballot, they're like, who's the expert? Like, who do we know that's in this space? And we're like, oh yeah, that's right. I was on Chris's show and he was talking all about, we got to get Chris in here on this. He's the expert. He's going to be the guy that knows about this. So now you're bringing, you're being brought into the conversation where you know I have a direct impact on the legislation that's going to affect your cause directly. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, it's it. You, you're surrounding yourself with the right people, and then even if you don't know what you're talking about, you've had people on that do, and you kind of skip a few levels. Enough, maybe, maybe not me, but no, like, no really, you, you would you as do. an authority. You would be seen as an authority. Every single person you interview not only increases your own personal knowledge, but increases your recognition and your credibility and all the things associated with that. Now, all of a sudden, you're the person that's collaborating in a world where you would think there's a lot of it. There really isn't a lot of collaboration. Now, you're the guy everyone wants to go to. Mm. It has this weird effect when you provide value to other people that people think that you're now more valuable. Mm. So... Definitely, that's the number one tip for fundraisers to start a podcast or even nonprofits to start a podcast and start interviewing experts. It's, it's, it's so different because when you're in the nonprofit world, you have to go to these events and you have to speak and you have to share your message, right? You have to go to the donors. When you're running your own podcast, the donors, the supporters, the staff, the volunteers, they come for you. Hmm. They're like, I heard you doing this. You're in my area. Man, I want to help. How do I get involved? 
And pretty soon they're knocking on your door instead of you having to go door to door to door to door to door. Yep. That, that, I've seen that when I, I joined Matchmaker podcast booking service. And as soon as I said, I'm looking for guests, <laughs> my, my schedule is full now for the next few weeks, but uh, I know exactly who I want to interview. So that's, that's great. Um, what are the, and what are the tips can you, um, give that would help a fellow fundraiser like me who's just started his campaign? Yeah, absolutely. First, for on our last little piece here, we talked about podcasting. Please go to nonprofitarchitect.org slash resources. Grab, I've got a little guide in there. It's like the 15 reasons I think everyone should start a podcast. Download that. It's free. There's a little code in there for free 99. If you mess it up, if you end up paying me a dollar, like I'm sure you're not going to be upset. But there's a free version. Free 99 is the code. Get the free guide. See all the reasons that you should start a podcast. But now you want to get into actual fundraising, right? What are the ways mm-hmm. to do it? I am not a fan of traditional fundraising. Have you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Moneyball, yes. Right. You've got the Oakland A's. You've got the back end of what they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. everyone in baseball at this point is trying to do it like the Yankees, right? You can't outspend the Yankees. So the only way you're going to get ahead is by doing it something different. Well, it's the same in the nonprofit world, right? We see the juggernauts out there like the American Red Cross. And you pick a cause that's been around for 50 years, right? They're all doing the same thing, right? They're contacting major donors. They're doing capital campaigns. They're writing grants. The difference between them and you Mm -hmm. is they're the Yankees. You don't have the money and the support and the staff to do things like that. But since you haven't heard any other way, you're going to try to play the nonprofit game like the Yankees are doing it. You you simply can't. Mm-hmm. So what I encourage startup nonprofits to do and the ones that listen to my advice do this very well is they generate different revenue streams from things that have nothing to do with major donors, capital campaigns, or writing grants. Mm. I mean, a grant is just like a small business loan. The only way you get it is if you don't need it. Right. If you need a grant, if you are legit need a grant, you don't qualify for the grant. If you <laughs> qualify for the grant, you technically don't need the grant, but they're going to give you money because you've proven that you know how to do it. Same with the small business loan. Right. If you really need the money, you don't qualify for it. Okay. <laughs> you don't have a proven track record. Right. So we're going to talk about a couple simple things that you can do as a startup person to really get money coming in. I think. Businesses should be more like nonprofits and nonprofits should be more like businesses. One of the things that businesses do well is they offer you something free for signing up. So in this case, here's a hat of mine, right? Hey, I'll tell you what, we're doing this thing. We're, we're trying to feed the homeless. Here's the deal. If you sign up to give 20 bucks a month, we're going to give you a quote unquote free hat or a free t-shirt or free whatever mm-hmm. the thing is. If you go to Linktree, and you look up nonprofit architect, there's a free guide on how to turn your social media followers into monthly supporters. And we talk about this model, giving free stuff. And in there, we taught we teach you how to create a product for free that you don't then have to buy a minimum of and you don't have to ship. Okay. So you don't have to do any of the slog work, right? You don't have to go buy a thousand t-shirts and then they're clogging up your garage for nine months while you sell them all. And then every time you sell one, you've got to go to the post office like None of that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. None of that stuff. We show you how to do it in there for free, how to create a social media post, how to create a product, how to make sure you can collect a monthly recurring donation, and how you can get it to them without doing any work. Because you don't have time to do all of those steps. Mm-hmm. You don't have the capital to buy a thousand t-shirts up front. You don't have the place to store it. So stop trying to do it the way everyone else is doing it. If you're listening to me right now and you're like, Travis, this sounds kind of weird. Yes, it's weird. It's supposed to be different than everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing it the same way, you can't afford to do it. You don't have the staff to do it. You don't have the time to do it the way that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But how do you get to where they are? And that's by doing this stuff that's just a little bit different, especially starting up. If you have a $12,000 budget every month and you're getting one-time donors, well, then when the calendar clicks back over to the first, you've got to figure out how to get another twelve grand that month. Yep. But if you've convinced a thousand of those dollars to be recurring, then next month you only have to figure out eleven grand, mm-hmm. and the month after that you only have to figure out ten grand. And a year from now, you can have twelve grand a month coming in on a recurring basis if you figure out how to get a thousand of those dollars recurring each and every month. Mm. So that is that. Would that mainly would that tip mainly be for nonprofits, not for fundraisers, or? Well, that is the fundraiser, right? If they're convincing people to give them recurring donations instead of one-time donations, now they don't have to figure out how to convince another thousand dollars worth the next month to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. So free. Right. So free merchandise. Oh, well, yeah. Are there are there other ways that you could do? It? Oh, there are other ways. Oh, there's got yeah, got a whole. I've got a whole list sitting here. I, if you heard the free thing and you just cringed a little bit because you're a nonprofit, go ahead and get over that. You did this growing up. You got a free duffel bag from Sports Illustrated for signing up for a recurring magazine price, right? Maybe you got a members-only jacket for signing up with the blah, 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 blah. Or maybe you got a free t-shirt or a free hat. Everyone's been doing this in the business world, but very few people do it in the nonprofit world. It's legal. You don't get taxed for it. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, method number two, I've got a friend, Jared Ledbetter at Ember Pay, E-M-B-R Pay. He does credit card or merchant processing for businesses. A lot of times when nonprofits go to a business for an ask, they don't really provide any value. We're going to put your logo on the thing and it's going to be on the brochure. Oh, it'll be on our website. Well, you get nine visitors a month. Having my logo on a website doesn't help me at all. So we go with a little bit of a different ask. You're like, hey, if I could put more money in your pocket each and every month and you could support a nonprofit without taking a dime out of your pocket. Would you be interested? And they're like, yeah, why not? If they're doing anything that that involves sales and involves credit card processing, right? You then get my buddy Jared to give them a lower flat rate. Right now they've got PayPal, Square, Stripe, all these ones, right? And they say they have a low flat rate, but really they have a bottom rate and they have all these other reasons to charge you more. If you've been in business for six months and you're still using Stripe, you're throwing money down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Ember Pay will give them a smaller flat rate, no reason to charge you any more for any transaction ever. So business is like, ooh, I get more money in my pocket. That's nice. Right? Yep. And then on the back end, depending on the size of the account or how long you've been with Jared, he gives 25 to 75% of every transaction fee as a donation straight to your nonprofit. So you've got someone doing a million dollars in business a year or a million dollars a month. 
that transaction fee is going directly into your account each and every month. And the more businesses you have under your, I don't know, umbrella with EmberPay, you can fully fund your whole organization doing just that. When I was on the board of the Shine Foundation, we set this up with a local junior college here in Oklahoma. We haven't had to raise a single other dollar since that day. You've got a thousand kids standing out there with two thousand dollars worth of books, and they all need to buy it. Swipe, swipe, swipe. You've got every sweatshirt for dad, every football ticket, every hot dog sold. Part of those transactions go directly into your account. Why would you try to convince mm-hmm. all these people to give you twenty dollars here, fifty dollars there? You convince one board of regents to switch over to you. Now every single dollar that gets funneled into that college. A portion of that ends up in your account. Yep. There's an, there's another smart charity in the UK called Thrift Plus, and you 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 give them your pre-owned clothes, and then when they sell it on their platform, you can choose which charity that person. So a third of it comes back to you because you gave them your clothes. A third of it goes to your charity, and a third of it goes to the thrift platform. And I guess you can choose whether you want the money back or you want to give two-thirds back to your charity. So so that's smart. And I guess that's the kind of same model that you were talking about, but with the credit cards. Except for it's all automatic. Every single month from the back end on EmberPay, you get a check. goes directly into your account. You don't have to do anything for it. Mm -hmm. And as long as they're with them, right at a junior college and you've given them the best price, the junior college, they might be going for 50 years, giving you money every month directly into your account. Why wouldn't you want that? Why would you want to figure out how to get that again the next month? You wouldn't. No. <laughs> uh, another way to do this is through micro donations. I've got a friend, a great episode. Go to the Nonprofit Architect Podcast. Look up Stephen Kuhn, K-U-H-N. He talks about how he has three nonprofits earning $200,000 a month. a month, $200,000 a month coming in and no one is doing any work for this. He's created a platform for these nonprofits where they bring in guest bloggers. Notice I said guest bloggers, not you blogging. Mm -hmm. 250 guest bloggers are all writing about your cause in some way, shape or form. Right. If you're in the veteran space, you've got people writing about veteran suicide, veterans homelessness, VA care, and you've got 53,000 organizations in the U.S. doing something about these things, mm-hmm. plus all the other people that just write about it, plus every news article out there. You can bring them in with an RSS feed aggregator like Feedsy, like I use, and you can bring in all these blogs under your website. Well, now, instead of just having a digital pamphlet like every other nonprofit does, right? It's something like this. This is who we are. This is our origin story. This is what we do. Give us money. Every nonprofit website looks the same. What it doesn't do is it doesn't provide any value. It doesn't create a reason for people to come back each and every month. If you think about the two types of websites that are out there, they have just a digital brochure or they're creating content. Think about like a news website. Think about any social media platform, the thing that they have in common and what keeps people coming back is new content. Well, you can Mm -hmm. do this with your own page. It could be podcasts that are coming in. Like if you start your own podcast, now you're hosting it on your platform Mm -hmm. and now you have new content coming out each and every week. 
you have a reason for people to come back and learn what's going on in your industry. If you've got a bunch of guest bloggers or guest podcasters coming and posting their content, sure, they can link back to their websites. But when they find that the hub of information is on your page, they're mm-hmm. going to start supporting you and you can ask them for 3 6 or $9. Yep. You can uh, ask them a question of the week and you can get their opinion on it. And then you can write email material to them based on the way they answer the question. You could say, is the president of the United States doing a good job? Yes or no. Well, now they've answered with their political opinion. And you can write them a conservative-based email or a liberal-based email based on their answer and either way ask them for money at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And if it's just $3 here or there and you've got so many different people contributing content, if you get a thousand people sign up for three bucks a month, that's three thousand dollars a month that you don't have to figure out how to get from somewhere else. Mm. If a hundred people switch off, you've only lost three hundred dollars a month, right? Yep. There's ways to do these things. If you are going person to person to person to person to person to try to raise money, you don't have enough time in the day to raise what you need. Mm-hmm. Even if all your friends are millionaires, even if all your friends are billionaires. You just simply don't have the time. You have to create ways for people to give you money while you sleep. Yeah. So so I created a little website and I guess I need to start like a, a, at least creating more content so that it helps with SEO. But getting guest bloggers on doing it, doing the effort for me. So leveraging other people's expertise. Absolutely. Right. There's three ways to make money. There's the money you can earn. There's the money people can earn for you. And there's the money your money can make. In this case, it would be the money that people can earn for you on your behalf. Right. This is another benefit of podcasting. Because if you are podcasting and you're putting out regular content, Mm -hmm. now you have a reason for people to come back to your website. I posted on my page, my podcast. Then I got the idea, like I wanted to be a resource, just like we're talking about here. So I brought in, I've got a dozen shows. Actually, I should probably add your show, huh? Add your show onto my page. Then I'll have 13 shows that are all producing nonprofit content. Mm -hmm. So now people can come to my website and view all of you guys, all of your shows, and it can add value to their world. Well, if you are worried about SEL and what it takes to do that, you can spend 500 to $5,000 to $50,000 on SEO. Here's the deal. If you're listening to this right now, stop what you're doing, hit pause, go to Google, type in nonprofit architect podcast. I am the first 45 results, aka the first 45 pages of Google, not 45, four and a half pages of Google. (laughs) I'm 45 pages of Google. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. That's not true. Uh, Four, four and a half pages of Google. And I haven't done any SEO work. It's content-based. It's content-based, right? You can find me. You're going to find my podcast page. You're going to find my Apple podcast page. You're going to find my LinkedIn page. You're going to find my internet movie database page. You're going to find my Google podcast page. You're going to find all the 50 channels I'm on. You're going to find Pandora and iHeartRadio and all these places where I am. You're going to find my Facebook and my Twitter and my LinkedIn and my Instagram. And you might even find me there. (laughs) You might even find Chris Cowden there. There's all these ways to do this, but if you're not creating content, mm-hmm. there's not going to be other ways to find out who you are and what you do. 
Yeah. So, uh, and how would you get those guest bloggers to come on and write for you? I, I guess because they will they will want a commission, I guess, or they will want to get paid. Most of them will do it just for free. You can either they have an RSS feed for what they post. You can either import their RSS feed, get their permission, make sure they have links back to their own website because it helps their SEO as well. Mm-hmm. If you can find their content somewhere else and you're willing to share it with your audience, that exposure is enough for most people. Yeah, and when you're starting out, it's gonna have to be enough because you ain't got the the money the Yankees have. So yeah, yeah, and that, <laughs> that is something that I overlooked. I, I guess. And for all these successful bloggers, I guess they're using or repurposing other people's content. Um, so that's a smart way to look at it. I didn't even think about that. I'll be uh, putting, I'll be asking first for permission, and then yes, ask, please ask. For, <laughs> okay, if you're going to be bringing in, okay, if you're bringing in guest podcasters, guest bloggers, whatever the thing is, a get permission, please, please, please get permission. B, make sure their content is something you want on your page. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, you know, there's some things out there that Google will shut your page down for. And if they have this even unknowingly have something into their stuff that they shouldn't, it, it can affect your page and your site. Mm-hmm. So please vet. Do your research. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if you're bringing in guest podcasters, I think Apple does a fair job of kind of controlling who's on their site, Mm -hmm. right? So if the podcaster you're bringing on is on Apple, they've technically done the work for you. Don't just, don't just say yes, just because they're on Apple, do do your own research. But if they've made it onto Apple, chances are pretty good that uh, their stuff is, is going to be not crazy. Okay. Okay. That's great. So make, make sure it's in line with the project and there's no harm in putting other people's blogs on your website. Um, yeah. Okay. More tips. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> More tips. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris is just loving this right now. Um, you can also do a membership model as part of your nonprofit. I've got a, an interview with Dr. Crenace Richardson and she talks about sister circles. It's 20 bucks a month to be in a sister circle. And that's perfectly legal. And what happened is, is she started getting too big and she couldn't run them all. So she created a little bit of a training thing. It's like mm-hmm. $700. One of the gals in the circle can pay that to go through the training and then create their own sister circles, you know, make it into smaller groups. Well, these are going all over the US. And I imagine she has hundreds, if not thousands of people giving her 20 bucks a month. As part of her nonprofit, mm. if people are paying for their own wellness and part of their own services, which is perfectly legal, well, but I don't feel like it's the right thing to do. Well, here's the deal every single insurance company and most hospitals in the US are nonprofits. They're making millions upon millions of dollars and they charge every single person for their services. Mm. Delta Dental, which is like dental insurance, their CEO made $22 million last year. You didn't hear anyone blinking an eye at their their paycheck charge your people it's perfectly okay if you're running something like a food pantry listen to my episode with nick valentine for the ceo of operation phantom support he runs a food shelf in clean texas and there's a huge line of people and no one has their head down because everyone pays 20 bucks a month 
mm-hmm. to help put food on the shelf for everybody else in line. So you know that your money is supporting the family ahead of you and the family behind you, and you know that they're supporting you. Yeah. So you're creating a community that has pride in what they're doing together. You're not creating a community of shame. Yeah, and of greed either. You're you're doing it to help somebody else, and then uh, a part of that is going to your nonprofit. And that's totally fine because you're here to help people anyway. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> so there's money in the nonprofit world for sure. There is. There is. You have to be willing to ask for it. Yeah. If you are in your board meeting and you're talking about your new program and you're starting to downplay it to yourselves, what are you even doing? Why are you even in the nonprofit world? Why are you even dedicating your life to helping someone? You should be screaming it from the rooftops. Look at how amazing we are. Look at how many wonderful people that we're helping. If you give us more, more money, we're going to help more people. Yes. Yeah. So There's um, no shame in helping people. There's no shame in asking for money. Mm. The only shame is inside you, the shame that you create. Get rid of that crap. Yeah. It doesn't help you. That, and that, that's what you, you spoke about before. Help. Yeah, that's what you spoke about before about the free. If, if, the, if the free worries you, uh, get over that. So there's one thing that I've put on the the website is to feature, uh, I don't know if I'm doing it the right way, so that's why I'm having experts on, Um, but to feature on the website so that any money that, so I think it's like $100 to feature your fundraising story on, 50% of that will go to my fundraiser and 50% will go to um, like getting people to the website or um, exposing the other fundraisers that are trying to raise money, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, with that $100, then I will help them create a brand video for their fundraiser story. And then 50% of that would go towards driving eyes to their story. <laughs> Right, but again, it only works if people go to your website. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's why I have to think of a month. Yeah, a hundred dollars is enough. a waste of money. Yeah, if you got nine thousand visitors a month, a hundred dollars is too low. Yeah, and that's why you said about other ways of generating eyes to the website, but to the fundraisers. Okay, maybe I'm just going on, but this, these are my. This is the chain of thought that's going around my head again. Oh, Chris, get a grip. <laughs> okay, so more tips. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how everyone that, that starts a new show, they don't know exactly what their voice is going to be. We're back on the podcasting thing, right? If you're looking to start a podcast, make sure you're doing a weekly podcast. Even if you schedule four or five interviews on a single morning, a single afternoon, or a single evening in the month, do them all in that one, I don't know, four-hour chunk of time for the whole month. And here's the deal. When you start off, you're going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. I was horrendous in my first 10 to 15 episodes. Go back and listen to them. They're still up. Uh, you can hear me fumbling through what I'm going to ask and try to figure out what I'm going to say. And I don't really have my voice yet. And I, I just don't know. You, If you don't have the experience, you're going to be terrible. Here's the deal. So is everybody else. Yes. Sign up, get started, start producing a show, whether you have professional back end or you just do it live, give it a go. Get that mm-hmm. content out there. Start making connections with people. 
locally, people that are in uh, elected positions, people that are doing what you're doing in other states and other regions and other nations across this world. Start making those connections. I haven't even been doing this for two years. My calendar's full. My email is full. I have as many contacts as I need, and I have thousands of people I can ask for any kind of help, assistance, guidance, mentoring that I could possibly imagine. It's not even been two years yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it definitely helps. I had somebody uh, going back to the initial podcast, the Talking With Experts podcast. Um, He said, try to commit to four episodes a week. um, And by the end of three or four months, you'll have a year's worth of podcasts. And I'm at 50 out of 52 now. So, but starting a new project, there's the, there's, 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 those nerves, the stutter, it comes back, the nervous energy comes back. To, but I'll get there because it's a completely new subject and I'm willing to learn and ask. Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> back to you, Travis. <laughs> so um, what questions do I have? Um, what do you see fundraisers that are starting out, so with zero money raised, uh, what do you see there? their main mistakes or or um what what do you think their first step should be when so their first steps have got to be building relationships with the people that are going to end up funding uh the money the money the money is the focus the money will never come if people are the focus you'll never have to ask for money mm-hmm. yeah so um and I've seen, I've got somebody else coming on. He's a fundraising coach and he talks about relationship building. And so um, what what advice could you give to anybody who is thinking about focusing on people? What kind of, what, how do you build strong relationships? If you don't know the name of their dog, you can't ask them for money. <laughs> These are just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. What, what's your dog's name? You, you have no right to ask them for any money unless you know the name of their dog. Yeah. Or catch or whatever. The fish. We have a pet snake. His name is Toothless. Now you can ask me for money because you know the name of my pet snake. <laughs> Toothless. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a snake. What kind of snake? <laughs> uh, so it's my daughter's snake. She's got a ball python that she worked her tail off to earn. Uh, it was a great money lesson. She's like, Dad, I want a snake. I was like, what? what? Okay, um, whatever. Like, how much? She's like, Dad, it's only $500. And I was like, $500? Like, crazy. <laughs> like, you don't even do your job. She's like, Dad, I'm in eighth grade. I don't have a job. I was like, yeah, school is your job. She's like, Dad, if school was my job, I'd be getting paid. That's like, oh, okay. Okay. You want to get paid for grades? And she's like, yeah. Get paid for A's. Yeah. She's like, every A. I was like, nope, here's the deal. You come home with all A's and I give you $500. You come home with one B, you get nothing. <laughs> and she rose to the challenge. She came home with straight A's and says, Dad, let's go buy the snake right now. And I said, now we're going to teach you how to spend money. And we looked around and we reached out to my network and we found someone that had a ball python and a tank and a rock and bedding for $60. And she got to use the rest of that $500 for other things. Yeah, so rich dad, poor dad. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Great. If you're listening, this is great parenting advice too. <laughs> we have something for everyone here yeah. on fundraising projects. 
<laughs> Fundraisers, podcasters, parenting, everything you need. <laughs> uh, so we've gone over a few tips. We've we've gone over some parenting advice. Is there anything that you think I've missed for the first episode that maybe you could share? If you are not taking care of the people inside of your organization, you've got nothing. If you're putting the dollar or the donor or the impact you're trying to make ahead of the people that are getting the things done, get ready to close up shop, get ready to churn through your entire staff every 12 to 15 months because you're not taking care of them. The people getting this done are the people that matter first. Mm-hmm. Not the people that matter last, the people that matter first. If you're not as a founder or a director or whatever your title is, if you're not spending time cultivating your own personal knowledge in the nonprofit world, I can re- recommend a couple of good podcasts like Fundraising Projects or the Nonprofit Architect Podcast. If you're not taking care of the people that are standing next to you side by side, battling for your cause, if you're not taking care of them, you've got nothing. You've Mm -hmm. got to develop them. You've got to be taking a primary salary from what you're creating and you have to learn what it is that you're doing. If you don't spend time dedicated to those things, get ready to close up shop because it's going to happen. Every single nonprofit that I've talked to that has not collected a primary paycheck, that has not dedicated time to the learning and not taking care of their staff and volunteers, like family, like a good family, not like no bad families, like a good family, all of those people have closed their doors. All of them. Yeah. So relationship building and really focusing on people first. Because that's what you're doing the whole fundraising or nonprofit for you for the for the people, not right? <laughs> well absolutely. you should be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But okay. no one wants to give money to a staff that is depressed, pissed off, not taken care of. Like if you treat your employees or your volunteers like garbage Mm. and you have them asking for money, the donors are going to know straight up that they're not happy and that they're faking it and really lying to them. Mm. If they're exploited and they've worked long hours for not much in return, there's going to be no support from them at all. Yeah. You're not going to want to donate to someone that's beat up, dragged down and wore out and tired and cranky and underappreciated. Like that's not going to be a good spokesperson for your organization anyway. So don't create them. Well, that's just smart. That's one plus one equals two. (laughs) You'd be surprised how many nonprofit gets stuck at one and a half. Thank you, Travis, for sharing your wisdom on fundraising and the nonprofit space. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to get more information from Travis and have a look in the show notes down below, all the links are attached and uh, I hope you can heed Travis's advice and uh, take it forward from now. If, you were, if you're a fundraiser and you want to get involved in this uh, Fundraising Projects podcast, go over to fundraising-projects.com to learn more about how you can get involved and if you wanted to sponsor the podcast or etc, etc, you can do that there. For now, I'll see you next week. We have Bear Intentions joining to talk to you about his fundraising projects and uh, what he intends to do over the next four years. So stay tuned and I'll see you very soon.